When the art day gets rough, you just gotta keep on punching. And here's your Thunder Punch Daily with Jersey Droz. There is a story that I think I read in Kirby King of Comics by Mark Evanier about uh, it was speculating on speculating. I don't think he was speculating because Mark Evanier worked with the, the man, but it was, it was highlighting on how Jack Kirby was able to create as much work as he did. Now, for those who don't know, Jack Kirby co-creator of many popular Marvel characters, uh, including Captain America, the fantastic four, incredible Hulk, and so on. Um, was, was known to draw or pencil five pages a day. Um, that's that's a tall order for drawing from scratch five pages on on the boards um and and i i highly recommend if, if you're interested in cartooning and interested in knowing more of the history of you know your field kirby king of comics by mark veneer is actually a really really good book uh i liked it a lot but uh one of the stories in there i think it's from there is uh I think there was something in the script called for uh, a plane, engines on fire, is tumbling toward the ground. Everybody on board, all the passengers on board, are screaming at the top of their lungs, you know. Um, and then Kirby drew a panel where most of it was sky, and we see almost like a silhouette of a plane with smoke coming out of it, and a word balloon of "yeah" coming out of the plane. Right? It met. The, it, it met the challenge, right? It, it, it satisfied the, the request of the script. But um, it goes to show that, uh, that there, there are times in making comics, and this is something I, I try to impress upon my, upon my students all the time, uh, where economy is the order of the day. Is it, is it clear? Is it economical? Why am I even bringing this up? Because this is something I kind of was reminded of myself today. I sat down to do some pencils on the Rocket book. And uh, the top of one of the pages starts with the characters at a county fair. Uh, and as I started, you know, sketching in the perspective shots and everything, I realized that in the thumbnails, I put a Ferris wheel in the background. And I'm like, oh, Ferris wheels, such a pain in the butt to draw. So much so, in fact, that in 2002, oh my gosh, 14 years ago, I actually taught myself how to use um, some 3D rendering software at the time. This is, I think this is before Google SketchUp, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I actually had to borrow, my wife was uh, taking uh, an architecture class in college, and for her class, she had to use a CAD rendering program called FormZ. Uh, and so she let me use it to build uh, a Ferris wheel in, in three dimensions. Reason for that being that, like, the first chapter of The Front, the webcomic that I serialized and then later collected as a graphic novel in 2006, uh, the first chapter takes place entirely at a county fair. A lot of the story takes place on a Ferris wheel. And after I thumbnailed it, doing quick little sketches, easy peasy, right? The moment I sat down to pencil, I was like, oh, what have I done? Uh, and I, I, I did do tests, you know, pencil tests to try to draw a Ferris wheel in three-point perspective, and it was not going well. I was like, all right. I'm going to make a 3D model that I can turn around and to match what my shots call for, print it out in non-photo blue, pencil my characters over top, and then ink the whole thing in one shot. So 
Um, and I remember at the time really feeling like, oh, this is kind of cheating because I'm not actually drawing the Ferris wheel, but I made the Ferris wheel. I didn't just take a model from somebody else's website. You know, I actually built the thing. I, I looked at reference material. I studied how they looked. You know, I designed the basket to match what they looked like and um, actually follow that bird. One of my favorite movies. I was like, okay, if we're going to put the baskets on this thing, they come in a variety of styles. Let's use the one from that. Um, so anyway, here I am 14 years later. And uh, as I looked at that shot, I'm like, oh, that Ferris wheel. Mm, I wonder if I still have that model. <laughs> and sure enough, I dug through my backup DVDs. You know, I backed up all my comics files to DVD years ago. Uh, and people say, well, why don't you keep them on like a cloud service? Um, actually, I think I do. I think I think there's there on one of those different services like Box or something like that. Because, yeah, you want to have an offsite backup as well. Um Found found the Ferris wheel, and uh, what 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 a great assist that was in penciling that that first page. But um, I also found you know in in the search for it, I went through a bunch of old artwork uh, from the front from that chapter in particular, and I found a shot of the Ferris wheel, and like there's this fence around it, and there's all these people running around it. Oh, by the way, if you want to see these these comics pages, the front dot me, the front. One word dot me. That's the the URL to take you to the uh, Tumblr installation, the Tumblr webcomic of uh, the graphic novel. Or you could purchase it if you want. It's on my website, uh, jdros.com. That's where you can get a print copy of it. It's not bad. Uh, anyway, uh, I was looking through those old pages, and first of all, drawn entirely on paper, you know, like except for, you know, when I printed out the Ferris wheel, and it was drawn with. Um, Proquil and Rapidograph pens. Those were my tools of choice back then. And I'm looking at this fence going around um, around the Ferris wheel, and it's like every single bar of the fence was drawn perfectly. I was so uptight about the crispness of, and the uh, technical quality of the illustrations back then that... Uh, it's kind of it's kind of alarming or not alarming. It's 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 surprising to look back on now, so many years later, um, and and I just I just want to I want to say to my younger self is like you know what is it clear is it reading then your your job is done. You don't need to go nuts and draw every single bar on that fence in this three this three point perspective shot, but I did, uh, and then when I penciled this new shot of the county fair, I'm like I look I compared and. Maybe I got to twenty percent of the detail that I had in those front pages. Uh, extenuating circumstances, you know, these pages I'm doing for this book are co- going to be considerably smaller than what the the pages from the front were were meant to be. Um, but but also, it's just yeah, it's just like I look back and I was I think I was being nuts and I wasn't being economical. I mean, I was being for for the time I was being economical. I had the bandwidth back then to put. 12, 15 hours into every page because I was doing it totally on the side. had no no hope of making any money on it. This is like even, gosh, 2002, like PayPal donation buttons, I think were a relatively new thing at that point. So like there was no hope I was going to make any money on the book because I, I needed to draw 212 pages before I could even print the darn thing. So uh, I, I, you know, I was at least going to make sure that it's like a really, really good comic. So I, I'm not flagging myself for i mean if you got the bandwidth i don't want to tell anybody how to draw the comic but if you got the bandwidth sure but but also it's like i think about something i see my my students doing where um 
they're 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 sort of reinventing everything each time they draw a new page and i guess that's kind of par for the course when you're first starting out um but i think the the thing that i am grateful for uh as i got older and, and a little bit more experienced at doing this stuff is uh knowing that when you can get away with doing less because this is a very the comics is such an intense medium to uh, to participate in it's it, it takes so much effort to make these pages um when i think about jack kirby doing those five pages a day and you look at his work and you see some of the tricks that he that he developed in order to speed things up like that plain one that i was talking about at the top of this one um i think that that's something to keep your eye out for you don't i mean there's a difference between cheating and being economical right uh, cheating is stealing something or giving n not a hundred percent of what was asked of you, right? Trying to get away with doing a little bit less, uh, and delivering less. But if you deliver what's promised or what was promised or what was requested and you found a more, you know, a, a simpler, more efficient way to do it, then I would call that economy. Uh, I know it's a hard thing to navigate when you're young and a beginning cartoonist. I know my students have a really hard time with it because like when I was telling them that story about the Jack Curry plane, one of my students said, you know, I was like, you just told us to cheat. <laughs> like this, the, no, it, I didn't because you arrived at the same product, right? If you want to use mathematical terms. So I was thinking about uh, what, are, what are the efficiencies that we pick up? What are the things that we get to look forward to as we get, you know, a little bit more experience? And like, at least for me, it's like, I think about like, you know, there's the bag of tricks. There's like the, the go-to things that I, like storytelling techniques that I found that, that I like a lot. I don't really think of them as like my signature move, but it's something that I think is um, really efficient and effective for my style of storytelling. For instance, like something that Rob actually mentioned on an Extra Lean podcast recently where like the, the inset triangle panels where you have like a big panel showing all the characters interacting in the scene but then you have these two inset triangles pointing to the two of the principal, a couple of the principal characters and closing in on their faces so that we can sort of get like a secondary reaction that's happening at the same moment as the panel before where they're in the scene which speeds things along but also means I don't have to draw the whole background over again, right? Totally lifted from like anime cartoons like Robotech and, and the old Voltron show, right? Um, also, uh, you know, the reference morgue, right? You get lots and lots of reference material saved up over the years. Both I have a physical one and I have a digital one. And so, you know, it's like when I was thinking about county fair images, uh, it's like, oh, I, I think I still have all the printouts from that from back in 2002 of images that I printed out from the web and things that I you know, scanned out of books. Um, but then also, you know, I think about that model that I made, uh, like that, 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 3D model uh, Ferris wheel. And I think of that as like, that's sort of like a resource, not a sprite. What would you call that? It's like a thing. It's like a thing in my closet that I can pull out and then, you know, reconfigure to make new art very simply. Right. Um, I, I, I experimented this with, uh, experimented with this idea with Mark Rudolph years ago with a comic called switch runners. I know I've talked about it before, where we were trying to borrow some of the techniques of animation and sort of quote unquote paint some backgrounds that would get reused in different places like a stock system. So then that way, eventually you would have, you know, if you did multiple issues, you would have a system where like 
maybe 60% of the art is recycled from previous comics, right? Um, I think about like these, like a 3D model as being something along that line, like a stock element that you can pull out for different projects. Um, does it get, does it deliver what you promised? Does it reach the intended result? Then it's not a cheat, then that's economy. At least that's the way I'm thinking about it right now because, uh, you know what? 128 pages is a lot of work to do in five months. Um, pencil ink, color letter, and so on, you know? And it's like anything I can do to like make it be of consistent quality but uh, more efficiently done so as not to drive myself into an early grave, it's a good thing. I don't, but, I, you know, I also don't want to turn this into some kind of like, oh, comics is so hard kind of thing because it's also immensely fun. I was drawing ducks and roosters and sheep at the county fair today. You know, and they talk to a bear. <laughs> it was super fun, but it's also super hard. And that's that weird tension that we're always navigating with this medium. It's super hard, but it's so joyous. So who am I? Jersey Joe's cartoonist and teaching artist. Boy, can you tell I'm tired today? I am tired. I'm really tired today. I wonder if I should have gone into that. Nah, you know what? Maybe tomorrow. I'll probably have forgotten tomorrow because I'm going to be in a, uh, you know, like I'm going to have more rest. I'm going to be in like higher spirits. It's going to be just before the holiday. Anyway. Uh, Jersey Droz, cartoonist and teaching artist, jdroz.com, boulderandfleet.com. Uh, this this audio thing is part of the Art Sound Off Challenge, uh, where me and my buddy Rob Sensinger challenge ourselves and everybody else in the world to check in every day for the month of November with a five to ten minute audio essay, uh, audio accompaniment to the art that you make. It could be an essay, it could be, uh, you know, like a journal entry, it could be a reflection, it could be something entirely different, but some kind of audio thing with you talking into a microphone to uh, correspond to the work that you're making or trying to make. Uh, and you can find out how to participate. I mean, there's still some time left to do it uh, at artsoundoff.com. And if you want to listen to more of these uh, audio essays that I've been doing and the ones that my buddy Rob have been doing, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash art. And when you get there, do consider supporting us and our efforts to make the Lean Into Art cast by pledging as little as a dollar a month. Every dollar contributes to... Uh, making the show more financially sustainable and paying us for the time that we put into making the show. All right, I'll be back tomorrow with another Thunder Punch Daily. And until then, remember, everybody. In today's story, Skeletor was looking for a shortcut, a quick way to riches and power. You may know some people like that, always looking for the quick way to get ahead of everybody else. Well, it doesn't work that way. The people who succeed are the ones who work for what they want. So don't be fooled by those who say they have a sure thing. There's always a catch to it. Don't sell yourself short. The right way is the best way. Until later, 